Welcome to Is This Thing On, the podcast hosted by me, Satya Nakrani, and a woman who likes funny-looking men, it's Lindsay Bowers. Lindsay, how are you? That's me. I'm very good, thank you. How are you this fine Monday evening? I'm actually a little bit unwell. Well, I've had, I've had an illness since about Thursday. It's one of those horrible ones that isn't enough to knock you out uh, and force you to stay in bed for a day and then you're over it. It's just one of those lingering ones that kind of sits there for four days. You can't, it's not bad enough to let you have any time off work, but also not good enough to make you feel chipper and happy. It's just a little snivelly cold, so uh, I'll be all right. I'll be absolutely fine for this uh, for this podcast. Should say we're back at the Duke, and well, we were at the Duke for our last episode. More importantly, we're back inside the Duke. Uh, anyone listening to episode nine with the uh, fantastic Laura Kirk will know that we were in the beer garden, which was um, not ideal given it was late January and very cold. But uh, we are actually back indoors today at the round table that we often sit at. We we prefer the long table, but just looking across my shoulders, a couple of guys there. So we're at the round table by the fireplace, but it's warm, it's very nice. Round table sounds like we're knights or something in yeah. Robin Hood's times. Yeah, knights or politicians or diplomats, maybe. But definitely, uh, not diplomats. definitely not diplomats. I'm not a diplomat. I'm not very diplomatic. Stevie Wonder's playing on the speaker above us, which is very nice. So yeah, all good. How are you? You've got a funny story to tell about your journey, haven't you? Yeah, something that happened on my way home before coming over here. Um, so I was sitting on the central line. I feel like all my stories... Um, revolve around the central line but that's because that's where my commute is but um today on my way home um i sat opposite a man who looked really familiar Go on. and i was trying not to stare and i was like i'm sure i follow this chap on twitter and now he's not anyone famous he, he's got a fair few followers and he's kind of um like a social media kind of expert kind of in my line of work and i'd go as far to say he's a twitter crush in that not that I fancy him but I just really really love his stuff on Twitter like I, I retweet a lot of his stuff I like a lot of his stuff I find him very 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 funny and I thought that looks like him so sitting literally sitting across from this man I go on my phone I type his name into Twitter I'm looking from I'm, I'm very craftily looking from his Twitter picture to him to his Twitter picture to him I'm like, is that him? I can't work out. I'm like, let's see if he's on Instagram. So go to Instagram, type in his name, find him. And then I'm looking from the Instagram to him. I notice the man in the Instagram pictures wearing the same coat as the man opposite me. But I still can't quite work out if it's him. And I'm like, well, he follows me. So is he clocking me? And I'm trying to work out if he's noticing me. But instead, he's just like dozing and falling asleep. And I'm feeling really creepy. So um, I don't know if it's him or not. But You're not going to say who this person is? Well, maybe I should, but I feel like such a creep now. I did tweet about it earlier, but now I've admitted he's my, he's my Twitter crush, so I feel like such a dork. But, okay, I'm going to say it. it. His name is at Gulcha. His name's Joe Gulcha. Joe Gulcha, okay. Yeah. Um, and so I, how, are you spelling, how are you spelling Gulcha? Uh, G-O-U-L-C-H-E-R. Okay. And either that will be him, and he'll be like, bloody hell, I can't go anywhere. That's really creepy and crazy. <laughs> Or it won't be him, and it will still be really embarrassing. He'll know that you fancy But him. Joe, if this somehow finds what is, I think you're great on Twitter. Carry on doing what you're doing. And if that was you, next time you see me, well, you probably wouldn't recognise me anyway. But um, I'll say I'll say hello to you. I'll say hello. We we'll recognise you from your Twitter picture and your Instagram account. Does he follow you on Instagram as well he as Twitter? Does, but um, to be fair, he's one of those people where I like and retweet a lot of his stuff, but I don't think he's ever liked okay. even so much what, as liked. What does he do again? Um, <laughs> he he used to do social media for Moonpig. Yeah. Um, I'm not sure what he's doing at the moment, but he kind of does brands, social media oh, stuff. Yeah. Say his name again, Joe. Joe Gulcher. This is so weird. Like this guy doesn't know I exist, <laughs> and I'm talking about him on my podcast after thinking I saw him on the tube. I feel like a fan girl now. <laughs> Joe Gulcher, get in touch with Lindsay. She's a big fan. Just say hello. Just say hello to her on social media, and then if you see him central line, yeah. say hello to her on central. Hi, Joe. Very good. Um. I've got no tales from the central line. My journey here was the usual type of journey, which was a bit crowded, a bit sweaty, a bit hot, a bit awkward, a bit difficult, but I got here in one piece, so that was the main thing. I have got an amusing story from Friday, though. Um, something happened to me in Romford. Now, that's, is that your neck of the woods? You're from yeah, Essex. Yeah, it's from Essex, so. isn't it? Yeah. So, um, so, do you remember, I think I've spoken on this podcast before. I've definitely told you about this. I've got, um, 
I've had previous when it comes to getting angry uh, in public places. Oh, wow. It's one of these, is it? Well, <laughs> I'm yeah, going to brace myself. But I didn't, it, it was fine. Uh, it was more funny than furious. So what happened was um, <laughs> I was in Romford on Friday. I was covering a West Ham United press conference. Their training ground is in in that part of the world obviously West Ham being, mm-hmm. yeah, obviously a club you know, your dad supports it isn't it yes indeed, yeah. Yeah. indeed so and it's quite it's nearish Stratford isn't it which I passed through quite yeah. a bit well Romford's the closest station it's on uh, it's, it's near it called Rush Green or the training ground's called Rush Green it's on Rush Green Road I think anyway, okay. Romford station's like a bus ride away so anyway I went, to the, I went to the press conference on Friday went perfectly fine got the bus back to Romford station and when I got back to Romford it was as it is today a horrible miserable cold rainy day uh, I don't think it was raining actually but it was cold and miserable and I felt like a warm cup of tea for my train journey back to London so um, I was looking for somewhere to get a uh, cup of tea. I saw a cafe uh, and I thought, go in there, get a cup of tea. So I went in and there was a guy in front of me uh, waiting at the counter to get, I think he was getting a tea, he might be getting a coffee, I'm not sure. And I was behind him, but crucially to this story, I wasn't directly behind him. I was kind of off centre slightly. So right. I was off to his right shoulder a little bit. Okay. So, but I'm definitely behind him. I'm absolutely, without doubt, behind this right. guy. Okay. Right, okay, yep. So he gets his uh, hot drink, coffee tea, don't know what it is. And as he's being handed a drink, and I'm thinking, right, I'm next up to get my cup of tea, a guy bombs through the door, goes straight up to the counter, straight behind this guy, so he's directly behind him. As that guy then pulls away because he's got his hot drink, he then, uh, he, he then basically moves right in front of the counter and asks for a cup of tea himself. Pushed in front of you. Basically pushed in front of me, essentially. Now, crucially to this story, he was uh, clearly friends with the owner, so he's having a bit of a chat with the owner, gets a cup of tea. Now, I was kind of, you know when someone is so brazen like that, you kind of start doubting yourself? You think, yeah. You think, uh, maybe he was here all along? I, st- I, ju- I, was, I kind of knew he wasn't. I, I'd seen him come through the door. Yeah. But I thought, maybe he was. He was just so cocky and confident the way he went up to the counter. So I started doubting myself. So I thought, look, I'm not going to make an issue of this. It's fine. Whatever. Regardless of whether he was in front of me or not, it's fine. And plus, I was slightly confused and dazed by the whole thing. But uh, the guy that had been served, the first guy... As he sort of walked away from the counter, he looked at me and just started laughing because obviously this was a completely absurd thing that had just happened. Oh, right. And because he started laughing, I knew that this guy had pushed in. I was like, yeah, he's my... He's my indicator that this is this guy's a piss. Because I would have assumed it was like the owner or someone walking yeah. in or... Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he started laughing. So I thought, right, yeah, this guy's pushed in. And as that first customer started laughing, the guy who had pushed in could see that we were kind of over over the top of him we were kind of making eye contact if that makes sense he sort of sensed our presence yeah so he looked at the guy who was laughing he looked at me and as he looked at me i thought well i'm gonna say something now because he's clearly pushed in so i just we had a a mini row voices weren't massively raised but i basically said you pushed in and he's like i'm sorry and i said yeah that's not good enough you pushed in and he said i'm sorry i didn't see you and i was like how did you not see me i was just literally just standing in front of you anyway this went on for a bit uh, the guy then, the owner behind the counter, trying to appease the situation, said to me, oh, look, okay, let me serve you first. And I decided to go into full sarcastic mode. And I was like, no, 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 serve the king first. The king has walked through oh, the door. Such the king. king must have his cup of tea. So anyway, by this stage, everyone's looking. And the cafe's quite busy. It's Friday afternoon. It's looking. Um, and this guy, again, is giving it, I didn't see you, which is bullshit. He didn't see me. But anyway, he got his cup of tea. The king got his cup of tea and left. The owner apologised and was like, really sorry. I was like, it's not your fault. You know, he pushed in and it's fine. Anyway, he gave, gave me my cup of tea and I left. As I was leaving, I thought, you know what? I'm a bit peckish, actually. I wouldn't mind a, I wouldn't mind a chocolate bar to also go with my cup of tea. God. So um, I'm leaving the cafe and next door to the cafe is a news agent. <laughs> oh, no. Probably see where this is going. <laughs> yeah. So I thought, I'll just go in there and get a Mars bar or Snickers or whatever. <laughs> Walking to the cafe. Because your sugar's definitely low, yeah. making you grumpy at this point. Exactly. I think. Absolutely. I need something to make me happy. Uh, a little bit delirious as well. So I walk into the news agent to get my, to get my chocolate bar. Guess who stood behind the counter? Oh, I wonder. Was it His Majesty? It was the King. The King was there. <laughs> um, and yeah. So um, I genuinely didn't know what to do at that stage because I thought, I want a fucking chocolate bar and I've done nothing wrong. And actually, it'd be quite funny if he was now reduced to serving me. But being the cat. He was working there. Yeah, he owns oh, it. Oh, shit. Sorry, I thought you meant he was just like another customer. No, no, it was his shop. And, oh. that, and that's why he knew the owner of the shop, obviously, because they worked next door to each other. So right. they're obviously mates. Makes a bit more sense now. Yeah, so um, I was like, shall I make this guy serve me? But actually, the overwhelming awkwardness of it got to me, and I, and I walked out. Had he seen you? Well, I'm not sure. I think we just barely made eye contact. Oh. Uh, just about, but yeah. Um, <laughs> oh. 
in the end, the awkwardness <laughs> is too much. You missed out on your Mars bar. Yeah. No, it's right. You had to borrow name someone. I love it. Well, it was all fine in the end because I got to Romford Station, got to my platform back to Liverpool Street Station and there was a little cafe thing on the platform. So I got my Mars bar from there. Oh, anyway. well, that's, that's a relief, I have to say. I was starting to sweat yeah. a bit there. But I'll tell you what, like, I was back in, you know, I haven't argued with somebody in a public place for quite a while. It has been a problem. As we, I think we've discussed, we've definitely discussed it between ourselves. I'm not yeah. sure we've discussed it on the, yeah, on the podcast. Yeah, yeah. I've got an issue, in case people listening to this aren't aware, I've had issues in the past arguing with people in uh, uh, public places. I've become a bit of a victim LG figure, especially with bad customer service. And um, I sort of vowed never to do it again. And I did do it on Friday, but... I sort of enjoyed it. I saw, I didn't enjoy the argument. I just enjoyed standing up for myself. So it may happen again, Lindsay. But uh, hopefully not with well, a guy who might then serve me a chocolate bar in five seconds' time. Well, I have an issue of arguing with people on Twitter. Yeah. So someone accused me of bullying them on Twitter this week. Did you see? Uh, I don't think it was no, very public. No, no, I didn't see that. It was, that? It, was, it, was a, it was a bit of a strange person, I think. Um, but oh, I can't even bother to go into it. But... <laughs> Of all people to step in and stand up for me, Mr. Jeremy Vine himself stepped in Hero. and said, "The gaffer." No, she's not. Not even remotely. Yeah. <laughs> so, oh, that's that's yeah. not good. You, you, some it, people you disagree with them. Um, is it uh, long-standing beef, or is it just no, 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 not at all. It was just some random who replied to something that um, Jeremy had tweeted with me included in, and um, he, he said quite a silly comment in response to it. I did a sarcastic reply back. And he said something like, you're skirting rather near to bullying there, Lindsay. I'm going to report you. To who? Who's he going to report uh, you to? The Twitter police? I think he meant the Twitter police. <laughs> so, oh, well, they arrest are, me, officer. <laughs> they are fucking useless. And actually, oh my God, the amount of times I've actually been properly harassed on there yeah, and reported yeah. it. Uh, we've received your report and found they do not yeah. breach our... I mean, if Trump's still going large there, then, I mean, yeah. if... If they banned me, then I'd have a slight problem with it. Well, interesting. This actually makes a really nice segue because the things that I've most regularly reported to Twitter is racist abuse. Yes. uh, Which they've done nothing about, by the way. Um, And that does lead us on to our main topic for today, the thing we're going to talk mostly about. Quite a quite serious and interesting and possibly quite emotional topic. We'll see how things go. well, then, obviously, I'll have the quiz, as ever. We'll have um, the lead-out music. We may discuss something else. Not going to say what it is, just in case we run out of time, because the thing we want to talk <laughs> we about... We know how so to tease, us. don't we? Yeah. We might talk about something, but we might not. We might Listeners, not. hold on to your hats. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> we're not um, going to tell you what it is. I'll tell you what, how much of a tease we are. This topic, we were going to talk about this topic with Laura last week, the lovely Laura Kirk, but uh, we had such a great chat with her about nostalgia and teenage life. We didn't get to, didn't get to it that, uh, in that episode. And uh, we may not get to this episode. We'll see how we go. But let's talk about our main thing then. So it's quite a serious topic. And it's about uh, being a minority. We are both part of minorities. I'm part of an ethnic minority. You're part of a... Well, you're a woman. So uh, actually, in a way, you're not part of a minority. But you're certainly... I think the thing we both share is we're part of groups that are discriminated against. Yeah. Um, we're minorities in that sense, in terms of lacking power and influence. So um, I thought this would be something quite... Uh, interesting to talk about and the reason I want to talk about well the first thing that was triggered about was something that was quite um, ridiculous really which was was it last week I think this happened Katy Perry being named ambassador for the British Asian Trust <laughs> yeah. uh, which is obviously fucking nuts uh, she got this from Prince Charles um, despite not being Asian or British um, so that was quite and she's appropriated Asian culture on indeed. quite a number of occasions to such an extent she's had to apologise for yeah. it so um, a ridiculous uh, choice I mean that more than anything just made me laugh but actually, the more serious thing that happened was, so two Saturdays ago, I was going to Liverpool, as I often do, to watch my football team play, Liverpool Football Club. And on the journey there and on the journey back, I got racially abused. Well, me, me and my mates got racially abused. Both I wasn't journeys? On, yeah. So to kind of explain what happened, uh, it's about a four-hour, four-and-a-half-hour journey there and back. Four, hour, four, four and four-and-a-half hours up to Liverpool, four, four-and-a-half hours back to London. Uh, we always stop at service station on the, you know, to break up the journey. Everyone can get a piss and a cup of coffee and uh, something to eat. And we stop at Norton Kane Services on the M25. And um, regular thing. And you're, you often see a lot of football supporters there because obviously other football fans going to other games around the country is quite a popular stop-off point for yeah. football fans going to football. So on this particular Saturday, two Saturdays ago, there was a lot of football fans travelling. Um, and usually it's fine it, I should say to explain in the group of Liverpool fans that I travel with I travel with the sort of same group of guys every every time we go up to Anfield 
and uh, most of us are Asian. Uh, there's a couple of white guys, there's a, yep. there's a black guy, but mo- 98% of us are Asian. Okay. So normally it's fine, stop at services, you sort of meet other fans, you might have a chat, you might have a little bit of a, to use a horrible word, banter, but um, <laughs> it's generally fine. But anyway, on this occasion, we were racially abused by a, a group of supporters. Now I'm not going to say who the, who the supporters of which club they support, because it will just lead to grief. Absolutely, without a doubt, lead to grief yeah. on social media. What I will say is that uh, these group of supporters, in terms of who they support, this has happened before. In fact, it happens every time we come across this group of supporters when we stop at the services. That's all I'll say. It's happened over a period of, I don't know. I mean, I've been with my group of friends for like 16 years, and every time we come across this group of supporters, they racially abuse us. So, uh, Does it begin with N? I'm not going to say anything. I'm not going to say anything because if I say that either way, it'll narrow it down <laughs> justly. So I'm not going to say anything. But anyway, so we got racially abused. So we come off the coach. Uh, uh, in fact, I think it was on the way back onto the coach on both times. We got a lot of crap from them and it, the P word was used and it was horrific. Jesus. And um, I think I, 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 I'm going to talk about this briefly because this isn't the main thing we're going to talk about. But I think um, I think what's horrible about it is basically we ignore it. We Our policy is just to ignore it. Get on the coach, ignore it. Don't give them... Don't give them the satisfaction of reacting to it. I can't believe people use that word. It's unbelievable. Still, isn't it? well, I mean, it's been happening. Was it just random, or did you get into a? No, no. We're just walking back to our coach with the, with the things we've bought in the services, or some, may have not. You know, some people just have a piss and get back on. Others get a drink. Some get some food. We're just wa- genuinely, innocently walking back. They're in the forecourt area and they shout stuff at us. I know it's remarkable that this is happening in Britain. And in what 20. sort of age are these people? Um, Young, old. On the way to Liverpool, the, the people who did it were in their 40s at least. Oh, on God. the way back, it was teenage, teenagers, early 20s. No, it's horrendous. Absolutely wow. horrendous. Like either, like either way, yeah. it is absolutely horrendous. Well, my plan next time it, next time it happened, next time I know we're going to come across this group of supporters. Film it and put it on Twitter. Film it, exactly. Film it and put it on social media and make, you know, report it to the police. We did actually report what happened to Kick It Out, which is an anti-discrimination uh, body that's specifically linked to abuse of football supporters. But whether right. they'll react to it, I don't know. Anyway. So that, that, that it's horrible. Our policy always is just ignore it, get back on the coach, don't give them the satisfaction of responding to it. Yeah. Personally, having just said I'm somebody who likes public confrontation, that is not um, a policy I like. I, I'd actually prefer to take them on a bit, or as I said, I, at the very least film it and stick it on Twitter, which I'll aim to do next time. I think the thing I dislike about it most is, um, I think with racism, when you're overtly ra- abused racially by anyone, is it's, it's that thing that in that... In that specific moment, uh, and this is the thing I, I can't shake about being, whenever I've ever been racially abused, unfortunately it's not happened to me often in my life, but it has happened occasionally, is in that very, in that specific moment, the perpetrators have a sense of superiority over you. They obviously aren't superior to you, but in obviously. that moment they feel they are superior to you. And I hate them having that feeling and not challenging that feeling and saying, how dare you say what you just said? You are not superior to me even though you feel you are. But that feeling of superiority they have comes from such a place of sadness within themselves. You have to just remind yourself of that, I think. Well, that's why we, as a group, and why many people say don't, don't, uh, don't challenge them because they are literally not worthy of your attention. That's the, that's the, that's the, that's the policy we have as a group. It's like, they're idiots. They, they're worthless idiots who've got a lack of self-confidence, who are lashing out because other crap stuff is going on in their life, don't give them. Don't no, don't waste half a breath on them, which I can see the I can see the merits of. But as I said, I don't want them having that feeling of superiority, and I'd rather challenge them. But each their own. Anyway, that is overt racism, and that's horrible, and that got my brain thinking about racism in general. You know, in general, it's been lingering with me. You know, two weeks, two and a bit weeks that happened. Mm. So I've obviously been thinking about racism a lot uh, in the in the in the sort of yeah, sixteen days since it happened. Um, but the racism I actually want to talk about, because it's something we can share and relate to, and I know you've got a lot to say about this, you've, you've told me already, is not overt racism, but, but uh, well, in my case, subconscious racism, and specifically racism in the workplace. And I think for you it's very different and far more explicit, so we'll get onto that definitely, because I know you've got a lot to say. But for me, the racism, for me, that is worse. It's not the overt racism that I suffer uh, when I go watch my football team play, but it's the... It's the unconscious, subconscious, subtle racism I suffer in work. And what I want to stress by that is I'm not saying my colleagues are racist. And I work with some absolutely wonderful people. And not once have I ever felt they have 
discriminated against me on my rights. Absolutely not. They're fantastic people. I consider them all my friends. But I, th I certainly feel that my race has denied me opportunities and yeah. held me back. And I think, uh, again, we may have discussed this on the podcast, possibly not. But uh, so people know, I work at The Guardian. Um, I largely work behind the scenes. I work as an editor, commissioning editor, production editor, uh, helming copy, editing copy, which I really enjoy. It's absolutely fantastic. And I do write a bit, but I don't write regularly. I'm not a full-time writer at The Guardian. In terms of the stuff I have done, I am absolutely certain that stuff I... Uh, my stuff isn't sort of widely read or widely shared. It's certainly not widely praised on social media and generally. And I think one of the reasons for that is I don't think people read... I don't think that as many people as I'd like certainly read the stuff I produce and I think one of the reasons they don't is when they see my byline on a story, a football story, a football match report, a football feature, they see the Asian name and just think Really? I, I genuinely believe that really that it's I don't want to read a football piece by an Asian person. And I'll tell you why I think that, because I am guilty of this as well. I'll give you an example. Right. So a few years back, so in the Guardian we get a lot of uh, sports books sort of you know sent yep. into the office uh, by publishers and stuff and there's like a pile there's a table and there's a pile of sports books and we're kind of welcome to sort of take them and i'm into my boxing as well and a few years ago there was a there was a boxing book that sort of caught my eye so i thought um yeah i'll take that home i'll read that mm -hmm. and um it sat on my shelf for ages and uh, to be fair i'm not a great reader anyway i think again we may have discussed this but because uh, i read so much at work i don't generally read in yeah. my free time I, read, I listen to podcasts and music and stuff but Around that time, I was kind of reading a fair amount. So I thought, yeah, that'll be my next book. I never got around to that book. And about a year or so later, it was sat on my bookshelf. And I was, having, a, I was uh, having my breakfast or my lunch or whatever at the table. And the bookshelf was by the dining table. And I saw the book. And I thought, why haven't I read that book yet? I'm really interested. In, it was a topic about sort of the middleweight, uh, British middleweights of the early 90s. People like Chris Eubank, Nigel Benn, Michael Watson, these people. It's an era I'm really interested in. I thought, what? that's a fascinating topic. Why haven't I got to that book yet why have i left that book and overlooked that book and got to you know read other books instead and i looked at the author's name and forgive me i can't remember the name of the author but it's, it's an asian name and i thought have i not got to that book because it's by an asian author and there's part of me thinking an asian guy writing about boxing i don't that's not i don't i don't want to get into that it may not be very authoritative it may not be very good now that is a ridiculous Surely thing not. for me as an you've got unconscious bias against your own absolutely honestly i'm not joking i genuinely think that's a possibility and that is mad for an asian <laughs> sports writer to say but i genuinely think i looked at that book and i thought is that why i haven't read that book i genuinely think that i'm not saying it was but i but i think unconscious subconscious bias whatever you want to call it is a real a real uh, a genuine thing and i think in sports journalism really is because sorry I'm, I'm, i've been talking for ages i will let you get in on this british sports journalism without doubt has a race issue and i've got some stats to back this up so last year last april i interviewed a guy called leon Mann, who's become a friend of mine really fantastic guy and he runs a a organization called bcoms which is working towards getting more people from BAME, uh, black and ethnic minority mm -hmm. backgrounds into sports journalism. He's a black guy himself. He used to work for the BBC and the ITV and still, I think still does bits of freelance journalism. He's a fantastic guy. And I interviewed him about the lack of BAME journalists in, in the British sports media. I'll just give you some stats. So this is from okay. April 2019, this interview. I interviewed him. Um, and these were stats he provided via the research and surveys he'd done with BCOMS, the organisation he runs. So, of the 338 journalists who had covered the 2018 World Cup, the 2018 Winter Olympics and the Paralympics, Wimbledon, the Commonwealth Games and the inaugural Multisports European Championships for the major national newspaper titles and broadcasting networks, only 32, that's 9.4%, came from a BAME background. Of those 32, only five did not have an association with professional sports, so i.e. they weren't former sports people um, in some way. No BAME women filled any of the 190, uh, sorry, 109 newspaper roles that were taken up, and only one black writer of either gender attended the Football World Cup, which was in Russia in 2018. Wow. Now, things are getting better, but progress in this is, is still incredibly slow, and in... And in, uh, in there's still a sense, in my opinion, that journalism is not for BAME people and those, are in the, who, and those who are in the industry don't quite belong, that they are complete outliers. And so I do genuinely think when I post an article or the Guardian, official Guardian account posts a link to something I've written with my Twitter handle, I think there's a lot of people, again, maybe overtly in some cases, but I think often, you know, uh, unconsciously, see a football article, see my name, Sachin Nakrani, and don't click because it's an Asian person writing that. 
No, that's quite strong stuff I'm saying. Seeing your face, you're thinking, well, I'm not 100% sure about like, that. It's interesting. I'm not 100% sure about that, but I can't speak on it like you can. Um, but I was just thinking to myself then, I reckon I might have a small, tiny amount of bias toward, like, for women when I'm looking, when I'm browsing. Really? You know, say, um, the Telegraph website, for example. That was the first thing that popped into my head. Uh, probably because I know a, 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 I'm connected on Twitter to a couple of female writers there. Um, so, so you think, so if you see an article by a woman, that's... That makes me more likely to click on it. Oh, more likely yeah, to click on it. Yeah, because they're oh, a female journalist like me. Yeah. Um, so that's kind of almost the opposite But then, it's funny that I use the, uh, the example of a telegraph there because actually I'm probably more likely to click on a female name there because I know them on yeah. Twitter. I follow a couple of telegraph yeah. writers on on Twitter but um, no I do think um, I kind of I'm, I'm more interested in uh, you know um, my extreme contemporaries other women around my age doing yeah. the same kind of things as me like I, I want to kind of keep on top but of do you think so so you're coming you're coming to that from an empathetic point empathetic point of view because you're a woman do you think that it, do you think men for instance or men specifically I should say if they see a female byline on a story they are less likely to click on it? Probably, probably. Yeah. I mean, I couldn't say other way, but it wouldn't surprise me. But I do wonder, with you, with that boxing book, I yeah. wonder if a part of it was competitiveness. You didn't want to open it because it's another Asian male writer and you might find yourself comparing yourself to him as a sports writer? Possibly. I mean, yeah, that's an argument. I, I, I don't think so because... I and I think men are generally more competitive, aren't they? Yeah. No, that's a fair point. I, again, that would have been unconscious because I, um, I absolutely took that book with the, with the desire to read it. Because, mm. as I said, it's an era, it's a topic I'm really keen on. Just to say, a couple of police officers have walked into the Duke. Shit, they found me. They rumbled Lindsay, the, the central line stalker. Extreme Instagram stalker. There she is. <laughs> this podcast is about to come to an end. Uh, no, <laughs> Forever. Got, yeah, got it to, was nice knowing you. They've got to the other side of the bar. I think we're fine. Yeah, no, it's possible. Uh, but no, I'm not, I'm not saying that's why I didn't read that book. I may, I may just, it may just, you know, slipped out of my mind and I forgot about it completely. But it did make me think. And, and without a doubt, you know, I, I mean, absolutely, there is such a thing as unconscious subconscious bias it definitely relates to race i do feel it's affected me i think i've written things which if a white person had written them they would have been more widely read they would have been more widely shared they would have been more widely praised i do think people have not clicked on articles i've i've written or read or read them full stop because of my byline but as i said i i'm potentially as guilty of that as, as anyone so um anyway also, just to add, yeah. um, our episode with Storm Huntley covered this quite a bit. Yeah, yeah. Unconscious bias, and she spoke pretty beautifully about it. Oh, she spoke so. fantastically about it. Well, but so anyway, so what's been happening is obviously race and racism has been in my head a lot uh, the last couple of weeks because of what happened to me on the way to Liverpool. That then got me thinking about the type of racism I suffer, and I thought, well, that's overt racism, that's horrible, but it is done by dickheads, and ultimately, uh, yeah, to a large extent, I'm not going to let them win. But then, I, then it got me thinking deeply about unconscious subconscious racism which for me is worse there's things i genuinely feel that over um you know 16 years as a journalist and 12 at the guardian that i feel i've definitely suffered uh and yeah i just thought it's interesting for us to talk about because we're both in groups that are discriminated against and i know and i'm going to now get, hand you the the floor because i know you've got a lot to say in this it's affected you in the workplace in, in terms of you being a woman a working woman and specifically a woman working in in journalism well I think I'm going to need another drink before we go into this. Maybe right. make it my second part. <laughs> and because you have finished your, uh, you have finished your. Yes, wine. and you haven't even got halfway through your pint okay. as per. But yeah. have we said what we're drinking? I don't really have. So you're in the white. You're in the Sauvignon Blanc. Yeah, I'm I've just drained this glass. Yeah. Um, because to be fair, you were talking more than me, Matt. So I had more chance to drink. Yeah, you did. And but I'm, also, I'm a faster drinker yeah. than you. And I'm on the bitter. Uh, yeah, I was. Uh, Decided to give red wine a miss. I drank a lot of red, red wine recently. Obviously, I had a load with Laura. Yeah, and I was this in this very pub drinking. Actually, it wasn't red wine. I had... What did I have yesterday? I had a... Oh, yeah, a rum and ginger beer. <laughs> that sounds nice. Yeah, it was nice. Yeah, my friend's girlfriend drinks them. And I was like, oh, that looks nice. So, um, a rum and I, ginger I beer? I had one as well, and it was lovely. You know what? I, think I might try one, yeah? Lizzie. I'll yeah? tell you what. It was a spiced one as well. Do you want to try it? Get me a rum and ginger, spiced rum and ginger beer. So, okay, we're gonna have a break because Lindsay wants to catch her breath, get a drink, and then get into the stuff she wants to talk about. Um, so yeah, go to the bar, Lindsay. Get me a spiced rum and ginger beer. Uh, ginger beer, spun. <laughs> can't get my words out. Only had quarter of a pint. A spiced rum and, and ginger, ginger beer. beer. Yeah. Get me and one of those. If you like it, you can thank Grace. Grace. 
a lot of pressure on you to make sure I enjoy my next drink. Okay, yeah. let's take a break. Let's get some drinks from the bar, and then we will carry on talking after that. And Lindsay is back from the bar. Um, I should say the bitter I had before was Jeffrey Hudson bitter. Um, okay. I just felt like giving it a plug. Because uh, I just said bitter. You know, when, you know when you watch soaps and they just and um, they never say the brand name because obviously they can't. And they just go, I had a bitter. I always find like that slightly odd. Yeah, I always, think, I, was always, I always think that's slightly odd. So I thought, you know what? I'll go, as you were waiting to get, the, get uh, the second round, I walked behind you and just checked the name of the bitter I was having just to name check it properly. So it was Jeffrey Hudson bitter. Reasonable drop. It was okay. Quite nice. You're looking at me for confirmation. I don't drink bitter. No, so you don't. I, no, I would, yeah. Even if I had tasted some, I'd have you no know, idea yeah. if it I'm, was reasonable or yeah. not. I'm not a huge bitter drinker myself, but just fancy it today. Yeah, feeling slightly under the weather. Uh, it's cold and miserable, so I wanted yeah. a kind of comforting pint as opposed to just kind of... As well. Yeah, as opposed to just a kind of cold, um, cold lager. Anyway, so you have brought... Um, say what it is again I keep forgetting it's rum. <laughs> I think it's Spice Sailor Jerry's rum with a fever tree which is very posh premium ginger, ginger beer. beer yeah and it makes a nice refreshing kick of a drink it's very nice so yeah we've got gla- so we've got the ginger beer in a bottle fever, fever tree uh, as Lindsay said premium ginger beer I'm going to just uh, tap that against the glass so people can hear that so if you can hear that on the <laughs> microphones <laughs> yeah. oh, a bottle and a glass which feels quite nice. Just to prove we are really sitting yeah. in the Duke drinking ginger beer rums. Well, I was going to say as well, um, in a way, it's going to be hard to prove we're in the Duke because it suddenly got really quiet. I don't know uh, if you felt the same. It was, I think... It's a bit of music. Yeah. Actually, the last two people have just walked out. So yeah. It's, it's getting... Us, we cleared the pub. It's emptying very... I don't know if those coppers coming in and scared everyone off, but it was quite busy about 10 minutes ago, and now it's quite quiet. There's us two at the round table by the fireplace. There's a couple of guys at the big table that we normally sat at, and I think that literally might be it, unless there's some people around the corner. Um, but no, it's a lovely setting. Dark, uh, dark night, uh, warm, glowing pub. I don't know if that's the right thing to say. Right, shall we? Shall we crack, crack on? on? Right, so <laughs> you wanted to get a drink because, partly because you'd finished, but partly because I think, if I'm right in saying, you just wanted to steady yourself before you yeah, spoke. No, You've got quite a lot of deep um, emotional stuff to say. But, okay, so when you, you WhatsApp me saying, um, because of this, this horrible thing that happened to you a couple of weeks ago, racist abuse, um, you thought it would be interesting for us to talk about being minorities, as you say, um, you know, you being Asian, me being a woman. Yeah, or groups that are discriminated against. Yeah, and my first thought was, honestly, I do not feel like a minority. I never really have. As well, a woman... Well, technically, this is the reason I'm, I'm sort of moving away from that definition because uh, women, I guess, aren't a minority. So are there more women than men in the world? I think there might be. No, but what, what you mean is, is is a group that's discriminated against exactly, and, and yeah. women are, and oh, I'm absolutely. not disputing that at all. Yeah. And my first thought when I think about the subject is I, I don't feel like that. I've, I've had an all right time. I'm fine. I'm, I've made my way in a world. I'm great. But then <laughs> you made me really think about it. And it made me realise, I don't know if it's the same with other women, but I think women just box things away and tell themselves, it's fine, it's yeah. fine, it's just banter. That thing that happened, you know, that, that you know, wasn't such a big deal. And actually, I thought about it, and around the same time I was thinking about it, I saw a tweet pop up that yeah. got retweeted onto my timeline. I sent it to you. And um, it was a woman, I won't say who she is, just in case she, she's already overwhelmed by the attention it's got. But basically, it, it was a woman who only had uh, about 100 followers to begin with, um, saying, I don't have many followers, but I need to tell my story on here because I just feel so fed up. And basically, she called out a big company. Um, she worked in a retail store, high street store, for a big company, and she was sexually harassed and then eventually sacked and just absolutely belittled and demeaned and humiliated by her colleagues. And it's absolutely blown up on Twitter. Um, the company have been forced to look into it now. Oh, have they? I just yeah. say, I, I read, because th- it was a thread, wasn't it, on yeah. the back of you, you um, 
highlighting it on Twitter itself, but also letting me know about it. And uh, as I said, yeah, I won't reveal a name or any, or any details because, as you say, she she might have had enough of kind of uh, kind of enough attention by now. But it's a horrific story. It I really, mean, really it's is. absolutely it appalling really what she went through. Yeah, I mean, I won't name her, but basically, the crux is she she worked in this high street store and. Um, the, the worst thing that ended up there was many things that happened but the worst thing was uh, one of her male colleagues uh, messaged her online to say he'd been masturbating over her picture yeah. and she reported it to the boss who happened to be mates with this bloke and they just brushed it under the carpet and then got rid of her basically yeah. absolutely appalling and um, she, she detailed a lot in this thread about how she was treated in this workplace and how unfair it was and Although nothing as bad as that's ever really happened to me, I, there was some aspects of a thread that really um, kind of triggered something inside me and reminded me of a job I had a long time ago. I'm not going to say where it was. I'm not going to name anyone um, involved. I'm going to... I mean, anyone involved will know exactly what I'm talking about, but yeah. I'm not going to name names because I just don't think it's worth it. But um, I interviewed for a job here, um, and that job, uh, I think to put it into the simplest form is, I I was sexually harassed and fired. Um, Not in exactly the same way as this girl, um, but it was a series of uncomfortable events and I think me being a young woman new to the media bubble very much would have contributed to the factors that well the things that happened so let's start with the interview for the job um interviewed with the head of the company um I remember the interview feeling a little bit a little bit um uneasy as you often are in job interviews but there was something a bit too informal about it a bit too personal about it and it was like it wasn't like he was trying to interview me for a job it was like he was trying to interview me for something more and was he chatting you up i wouldn't call it chatting me up i would call it trying to unpeel my layers in a very personal way okay um, one of the questions he asked me was, do you have a boyfriend? And when I said yes, he said, it would be better if you didn't. What? Really? Yeah. Inappropriate? It was inappropriate. Um, I did the interview and I did a day's trial at this company. And um, I remember distinctly driving home. I cried a lot during my drive home I think I even screamed at one point like just one of those ah, like I had to get something out of me and I think it's because I knew I was going to get the job and I knew I was going to take it oh, and God. that's exactly what happened um, I was offered a job I was told hundreds of people gone for it and it come down to two people and it, they had to really deliberate but it came to me I accepted it because I, I wanted to get a job in London it was a very glamorous job yeah. Um, I remember trying to negotiate with this man over pay. He, he, like, it was barely been a minimum wage. And I remember going back to him saying, "I need to be able to afford to live in London to be able to move to London." And his reply was really belittling. Like, you, so many people went for this job. You should be glad I'm even offering it to you. So I was like, "Okay, just, just go to London and do this. Just do it." And um. It's weird, it just, it just, I don't know how to, I mean, it wasn't the most comfortable time in my life. Um, he, he was very inappropriate. I hadn't been the first girl he'd been appropriate to. Um, he asked me out for dinner a lot. Um, I went out for dinner with him a few times because I felt like I had to because he was my yeah. boss. Um, I remember once trying to cancel our dinner plans and he replied in such a way it, it made me feel like I shouldn't do that like I had to go out for dinner with him well he's got power over you isn't yeah. he I mean that's that's the yeah. terrible this is a man dynamic of this relationship this is a man who's more than double my age yeah um 
when we were out for dinner, he he would he would be inappropriate talking to get me to talk about sex, my sexual preferences. Jesus Christ. Um, and I just wanted to get along, and I thought it was my friend. You know, I didn't never he never tried anything on physically actually, but it was all very inappropriate. But, and I just went along with it because I was, a part of me I think was flattered mm. that he liked me. You know, which makes me cringe to say that out loud now. But I was, you know, a young woman. <sighs> Meanwhile. The other girls in the office mostly hated me. They went from ignoring me and leaving me out to outright being quite nasty to me on a number of occasions, just sort of like all going out for lunch, not inviting me, sniggering about me. I can see they're talking about me. You know, you could tell they're emailing about me because they're just like... You know where you can just tell. Is that because they thought like you were his favourite or you were getting preferential um, treatment or something? I don't know if it was that or I think I was very earnest and I really wanted to make friends yeah. and maybe I came in a bit too, a bit too. I don't. They just. I don't know what it was. Such and they just didn't like me. They just did yeah. not like me, and I don't think that whole thing with a boss helped. And it got to a point where I just. I had anxiety attacks and panic attacks in the middle of a supermarket I had paranoia and I started making mistakes in my work mm. um, because whenever I did something wrong I'd be spoken to in such a vile way I'd go to the toilet and sob really? and it was weird because some I want to point out just in case anyone from that company is listening there were some people there who were nice and mm. who I'm still connected to and were you know nice people back then yeah. and uh but there were there were a handful of people who i knew were laughing about me behind my back knew they didn't like me for whatever reasons um and it just completely shattered my self-confidence and i just kept on making mistakes i tried to fit in i tried to like socialize with them but you would, would, wouldn't have any of it and then it, it all came to a head and then just as I was about to quit, I was dragged into an office and sacked and told, "You don't, your face doesn't fit here, or something like that. I don't think they said your face, but they said, you, you don't fit here culturally. Well, did, did he do the sacking as well? Yeah. I, I knew he didn't want to, but he, I think I'd made one mistake too many, and his deputy was like, come on, like you have to get rid of her. And I think I, I was kind of, in a way, maybe that's, I, I definitely wanted to leave. Yeah. And um, I remember, like, the moment they sat me, they were like, we know you're really good, we know you're a good writer, we know we're going to watch you to go on and do your good stuff, but you just don't fit in here, do you? And I went, no, no, I don't. So how, so how old were you at this time? Um, about 25. So I'm getting the sense that you just, you, you're just, it's your first job in London as well, you just yeah. don't feel you can even speak out about this, I guess. It's, no. You're young, um, it's your first job. He's the boss, he's a lot older than you. There's that power relationship which is really destructive and uh, toxic. And I guess you just feel you just got to take it. And then when he sacks you, you can't even maybe complain about it, even. Yeah. It's just horrific. And then I worked because I just like signed on to rent a new place. Um, I worked my four weeks' notice. They said you can either walk out right now or you can work your notice. And I was like, I have to work my notice because yeah. I literally am living on the bread line here. Bloody hell. And um, funny enough, those last four weeks, I thought, fuck you, I'm going to do the best job ever. And then my work kind yeah. of went up, I think. I think I did quite a good job in the last few weeks I was there. And um, I managed to get a pretty good job off the back of it pretty quickly because um, I used their contacts list and just emailed every newspaper yeah. and magazine in the country <laughs> asking for anything they could give me. Then I got a job straight away with quite a quite a reputable reputable magazine at the time and then from there I went on to ITV but it really it really knocked me because I remember I thought this must be what media is like this must be what London's like and I remember whenever I went when I started to drop at ITV I was petrified I thought no one's gonna like me there I'm obviously an unlikable person um there's obviously something wrong with me and I went into ITV with all this anxiety and all this self-doubt and all these expectations that people would just hate me. And I got the opposite. I 
met some of my best friends in the world um had an incredible time and it took me about a year to kind of realize actually maybe it wasn't me yeah that was entirely the problem but it's weird because it's only looking back now I'm like was I was I what was I doing wrong for these people to hate me so much but actually they were just really, it was just such a toxic atmosphere and I'm sure I wasn't perfect in my behavior I must have done things to annoy them I'm sure but I didn't deserve that no. I didn't deserve that this for me there's kind of three horrendous destructive elements of that there's the first basic day-to-day stuff which makes you feel uncomfortable and is demeaning and is completely inappropriate the second aspect is it then leads you to losing your job because as you say you're you're making errors which are directly linked to the abuse you're getting yeah so that's obviously just on a practical level means you know you can't pay your rent you might have to leave london and see it's what it's the long-term effect as well which is that you start doubting yourself that you can even do the job that if, as you said if you go somewhere else they won't like you you're not good enough yeah. so there's sort of sh- there's short-term medium-term and long-term damage from that type of behavior and i mean the fact i think what the added thing as well was it happened in your if it happened in your second job it'd still be absolutely disgusting and unacceptable but if you'd had like a good job in the media in london you'd have thought well this isn't the norm yeah but because it was your first as you were saying yourself you then suddenly think this is what it's going to be like for the rest of my life you could have easily turned your back on london media and never then had the opportunity oh to afterwards i'm so glad i didn't because yeah. i've had such a good time since i've loved absolutely loved my career and time in london yeah. apart from those first nine months and not to com- discount the experience that job gave me, because if it wasn't for the skill, even though I cocked up a few things, um, the, the actual kind of skills and experiences that job gave me did put me in good stead to go on to, you know, it was a great yeah. stepping stone. And um, career-wise, I'm glad I did that job. Yeah. But the atmosphere, it infiltrated my life. My friends said, you were not the same person. Then yeah. you were like a shell of yourself. Um, my boyfriend at the time, it was Clive actually. Clive Whittingham. <laughs> when I was with Clive, yeah, I mean, he, uh, sorry Clive if you're still listening and, you know, but it was a hard time for him as well. Yeah, I can imagine. I remember um, I took him to an event. I'd always come home and said, I don't think the girls that were like me very much, they just don't make much of an effort with me. And we were always, inv- I was always invited to showbiz events and parties and yeah. premieres and, he wasn't really a party type of person, but I remember once he did come to one with me and um, I introduced him to a couple of people from the office and they were so cold and and he, he turned around and said, oh my God, I see what you mean now. Like they really, really just don't make an effort with you. I thought they really don't like you, do they? And um, on the day I was <coughs> sacked, um, they let me go home early because I was so upset. And um, I went and met him for lunch, and I remember, <laughs> sorry, Clive, but I remember sitting having lunch with him, and he was, he was, I was having to comfort him because he was crying because he was so angry and upset on my behalf yeah. because he'd seen what they put me through, and he'd seen me, like, devastated every day for months just because these people just didn't like me. Um, sorry, Clive. <laughs> and we, know, we know anecdotally as well that, you know, this happens all the time, doesn't it? I mean, there's the famous cases at Fox News... Um, you know that, that you know that that being well documented with what's happened there and um, but obviously even at other media organizations just the workplace generally this you know this is probably common for a lot of women and there's a lot of women who probably haven't had the didn't have your fortitude to recover from it and have probably sadly lost the career that maybe they dreamed of for, since they were kids since they yeah. were a teenager yeah. because they had that horrendous experience and they just couldn't recover from it and it, whether they moved on or not there was just scars there aren't there I mean it's just yeah. it's just absolutely appalling and it wasn't just the inappropriateness of the boss. It was that bitchy. It was actually the bitchy culture of the other girls. That um, so that, that as much as me. the sexual oh, harassment like more, affected more you. Probably, oh, really? Actually. That's interesting. Sexual harassment. Like, I feel like I know how to handle that because mm. if if a man physically was to try and do anything to me that I didn't want him to do, he would yeah. regret it. Believe me. But it's that psychological kind of nastiness where I just can't understand why someone is needlessly horrible to another person but yeah I don't know if that's really I don't know how how much this ties in with me being a woman but I feel like I might not have had quite a hard time in that scenario if I was a man oh definitely 
Oh, absolutely. Well, first of all, you wouldn't have had you wouldn't have had the harassment from the boss. No. And uh, that, yeah, I mean, the stuff that happened to your colleagues, I obviously well, wasn't there, but it feels like he had, he had cultivated a toxic environment. Absolutely. Which, and I wonder, I mean, you know, absolutely correct me if I'm wrong on this, but whether the other women are kind of, I'm not excusing their behaviour at all, but they were sort of scarred and damaged because they had gone through the same behaviour. So they were kind of unleashing their upset and anger on you in a way as well i don't know i'm just i'm playing sort of amateur psychologist there but he had obviously created this culture where it just feels like every woman who passed through that company and who worked on him was damaged in some way and um, well a lot of people left after a very very short amount of time but a a handful stayed there for a very very long time a couple of people that i worked with there so you know you're either in the gang or you weren't and i i couldn't get in a gang and i never would want to be because it was horrible and toxic and if those guys happen to be listening, I'm sorry if I ever did anything to offend you, but I did not. I did not deserve to be treated like that. No. You made does. my life hell. Yeah. And I can't even carry on because I'm going to get upset. But no. Well, let's stop there. I mean, I, yeah, just say really quickly as well, because the name slipped my mind before, but the person of Fox News who was guilty of justice, very behaviour, Roger Ailes, the head of Fox News who, I mean, it's all come out since there's been documentaries and there's a film out at the moment. I can't remember. Yeah, with uh, Charlie's from Margot yeah, Robbie. Yeah. yeah, Nicole Kidman as Nicole well. Kidman. Yeah, I can't remember the name of it, but basically documenting that type of workplace behaviour, which is sadly overly common. But no, that's, uh, well, obviously horrendous to hear, Lindsay, but I'm glad, because I know, I know going into this, I should say, you were WhatsApping me saying you, were, you weren't sure if you are going to be able to get through telling that story but I think it's important to do so so other people anyone who's listening to this who's maybe going through the same thing any women going through this to know A you're not the only one B you're absolutely not in the wrong they are in the wrong the people doing this to you and C you can get through it and survive it's obviously difficult and at the time probably feels impossible but let me just say one final thing actually I tweeted about this um, like quite a while ago in the last year I did tweet I, I saw a reminder come up on my Facebook um, of something I wrote on Facebook, um, like you know, where it says this day, whatever many years ago, yeah, this day 10 years ago. I'd written this really sad status about how, like, I just wasn't coping, and it reminded me of how shit I felt back then, yeah, and it made me think, look where I am now, yeah. No, very, very positive, positive words to end this discussion. I just want to absolutely reiterate on the back of what you said, um, because I, I, I just want to make this clear so nobody's kind of confused about it. I am absolutely not accusing anyone at The Guardian of That's discriminating. The woke place ever, yeah. surely. Discriminate, yeah. <laughs> very well, sometimes too woke, yeah. <laughs> but of discriminating against me, I mean, the people I work with are not just my colleagues, they're my mates. And I have had loads of wonderful opportunities, and I continue to have wonderful opportunities at The Guardian. So I'm certainly not accusing anyone overt. The stuff you suffered was overt discrimination, overt harassment. I haven't suffered anything overt at The Guardian, but I certainly, I definitely believe there is unconscious, subconscious bias against people from, uh, well, we're saying minorities, but from, yeah, in your case being a woman, my case being from ethnic minority, I think we do suffer in ways which, I mean, in your case, overt, but certainly in my case, well, subconscious, and in your case, subconscious. I'm sure there was things, as you were saying, with the women you were working with, things that were going on purely because you're a woman, which was kind of under the surface a little bit as well. Yeah. Anyway, no, cheers, Lindsay. That was that was incredible. So, look, the other thing we're going to talk about, we're not going to talk about because basically we're running out of time and it feels slightly inappropriate on the back of what we're going to say. All I'll say is we will definitely get to this topic because I think me and you could have a fantastic row ding about dong. this. Yeah. And fantastic ding dong. <laughs> All I'll say, it's the Facebookification of Twitter. So it's something that I feel quite strongly about, and Lindsay's like, you know, I'm 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 a boxer coming in from one corner. You're the other, bo- you're a boxer coming in from the other corner. We'll have a good old, as you say, ding dong about this. We won't do it on this episode because uh, we've been talking for a while, and it just feels slightly inappropriate on the back of everything. Yeah, we so will revisit that. We will revisit it. There will definitely be another excuse to revisit it, um, this. As I said, it's something I feel. I won't say massively strongly about, but I've got uh, I've got things to say. So anyway, shall we? Uh, we'll come back to that on a different episode. Shall we move on to the quiz? Yes, this feels like the first one in a while, but I've not prepared. Yeah, well, so. you've been fantastic on the quiz. You've done very well. The quiz last week with Laura, the uh, nostalgia, the the noughties nostalgia quiz was great. So this quiz. Um, we should say, I don't think we've mentioned this yet, this is episode 10. It's episode Ooh, 2 of series 2. Yeah, but it's episode 10, so a little bit of an anniversary. So I thought we'd mark that. So on uh, episode 1, the quiz we did on, on that episode was a the Q&A that the Guardian Weekend magazine have, which I always think makes for quite interesting read. They're Saturday. Uh, it's the magazine that comes with the Saturday paper, the Weekend magazine. 
and it's a Q&A with a famous person, ask them you know, some interesting questions. And we did uh, the Q&A, or we sort of, we did our equivalent of the questions that had been asked to Anna Friel, the actress, mm-hmm. you remember, right? So um, on Saturday, my wife actually went out and bought The Guardian on Saturday. We don't normally buy it, but she... She buys The Guardian when you work for The Guardian. Well, she, she bought it. She went out for a morning swim and bought it on the way the back. Uh, yeah, well, I hadn't been in the office on Friday, so uh, <laughs> I think she thought I might be missing work. I don't know. Anyway, she, no, I wasn't at all. Uh, <laughs> anyway, but she went out and bought The Guardian Saturday, and I was like, okay, great, I'll have a look at it. But actually, it worked out really well because I've got the Saturday magazine, so this, this was in Saturday's Guardian. And the quiz uh, is with Russell Howard, the comedian. And this relates to the intro. Um, because as you told me when I was telling you what we we're going to do, you said um, you fancy Russell Howard as part of your well, uh, uh, collection of funny looking men that you've yeah, got a little well, thing so for. It's quite dishy. Yeah. Yeah, but this is a conversation that I mean, Sachin's <laughs> had recently where. We, we talk about certain people and I go, oh, yeah, he's quite fit. And he goes, really? And I'm yeah. like, well, I like funny looking men. And because then you... Hello, Tally. Up, <laughs> Hi, babe. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I've already told him we were having this conversation. <laughs> he is quite funny looking in a very cute way. Um, I've made a little list, actually, of funny looking famous men I've liked. Oh, go on. So, okay. Yeah, go on. So, um, I don't know if he counts as funny looking, but when I was a teenager, I had a massive crush on Alan Rickman. I sort of get that a little bit. To yeah. the point, I actually wrote him a love letter. Oh, my God, really? And he, well, his agent replied saying, sorry, Mr. Rickman's too busy filming Harry Potter to uh, comply with interview, um, not interview requests, uh, autograph requests, but All thank right. you for for your letter. That's a bit bullshit. You can't even spare five minutes to sign an autograph. But I was just <laughs> over the moon to even get a response. Yeah. But I sent him a, a picture of myself, not like nude or anything. I <laughs> 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 Make that specify. clear. But um, <laughs> no, I sent him a handwritten letter saying how much I admired his work in Harry Potter, and because I'm a bit older, because I'm older, a bit older than you. I th- when I think Alan Rickman, I don't think Harry Potter. I think Die Hard, obviously. Well, yeah, obviously. <laughs> Look, now I do, yeah. um, and love actually. But it's, I think it was a voice. He's got something about him. I, I mean, I, yeah, he's a bit. I guess he's funny looking, but he's got a got charisma about him. Yeah. Yeah. So who else is on your list? I'm um, intrigued. David Williams. He's not bad looking. I he's like. All right. Yeah. Tall, funny men. Yeah, he's definitely. F- I mean, and I well, feel some bad people saying would... that because Tabby's not tall. <laughs> but he is funny looking. Yeah. <laughs> I, I'm funny. Oh, sorry, baby. I don't think he listens this far anyway. I think that. I think. David Williams is actually quite a good-looking bloke, but people don't consider him good-looking because he's quite camp and because he's played camp characters in Little Britain stuff. He used to uh, be married to an act, well, a, a literal supermodel. Really? Yeah, the mother of his child is the supermodel, oh, okay. uh, Laura, someone she's called. Great. And then my final ultimate crush that I had since the age of like something stupid like eight was Rick Mayall. Again, I think he's got a kind of Alan Rickman charisma about him. I don't think that's the worst. Show. Again, though, he's quite funny, odd looking. He is quite yeah. funny looking. Yeah. Well, he was, bless him. Bless oh, God. Him, yeah. The day uh, Rick Mayle died, I, I was working at ITV. Uh, I remember I had to actually leave a building and go and sit down somewhere and cry. Really? Yeah, yeah. I loved him. Was that, what year was that? That wasn't part of the 2016 deaths, was it? Um, that was earlier, I think. It, no, I feel like, uh, I want to say it was a bit earlier than that. I think it was 2012, possibly, 2013. Maybe, yeah. yeah, it was quite a while ago now. Yeah. But I remember just, he was my ultimate, I have to meet him, I have to meet him because I worship the ground he walks on. But then it wasn't because I fancied him. As a kid, I had a weird crush on him. But as an adult, I just really respected yeah. him. Uh, yeah. But anyway, that, that's my funny looking men that I fancied. Brilliant. Well, let's go to another <laughs> funny looking man that you fancy, Russell Howard, um, who's definitely a funny looking man. Uh, I don't get the appeal myself, but each their own. So, uh, yeah, he's done the Q&A in The Guardian. I'm not going to ask you every... Well, basically, he's done a load of questions. I'm not going to ask you every question. What I've done is I've picked out, let's count here, one, two, five questions that he was asked. And I'm just going to ask you what you think... We'll have a guess at Russell's answer. Yeah. And you questions. told me you're going to do this, and I love how much trust you have in me because I could very easily have gone and got this magazine and Shit. had a look at it. But because I like to be an honest person, I have not done that. Also, it's online as well, I mean, because you can look at oh, it. Oh, is it? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but anyway. No, but in the spirit of a yeah. game, I have not looked Let's have a look. Up. Yeah. Okay. So these are, I'm not expecting to get any of these right, obviously, but just have a guess. So, first question. So, Russell Howard in the Guardian's Weekend magazine. It's called Weekend, isn't it? Yeah, it is. Yeah, Weekend magazine. I, mean, I don't know him that well. I mean, I like no. him, but yeah. I don't Just know how I'm going to do. Lindsay, have a guess. As ever, okay. there's no okay. points okay. on Let's stake. see it's if I'm psychic about how Russell Howard thinks. Indeed. So, this question asked to Russell Howard. Um, what do you most... This is apt, given what we're talking about. 
what do you most dislike about your appearance? Your appearance? Yeah. So what does Russell Howard most dislike about Russell Howard's appearance? Oh, I don't, I don't want to sound mean, but <laughs> has he got a bit of a crossed eye? Um, that's a good shout. He's actually mentioned a few, but uh, that's the first one, wonky eye. Yeah, I felt like such a bitch, but he has. That's brilliant, but I, I mean, guess. part of his charm, yeah, so you, just in case you're listening. So, the next question I'll ask you, he was asked, who would, you like to, who would play you in the film of your life? You're not going to get this because he's not even chosen a man. Oh. Judy Dench. Oh, I was going to say Scarlett Johansson because she plays everything. Yeah. That's or actually not a bad shout. maybe Katy Perry. Oh, not her again. Uh, no, it was uh, Judy Dench. Dench. There okay. you go. Right. What is your guiltiest pleasure? And I'll give you a clue. It's a TV programme. Mm, Broadchurch. Holmes Under the Hammer. Oh. That is a real staple for stand-up comedians, I hear. A lot of stand-up comedians say they watch Holmes Under the Hammer. Um Obviously, because they're home during the day, because they work in the evening instead of doing stand-up, unless mm-hmm. they're filming something, I guess. Uh, so I think a lot of them watch a lot of daytime TV. Yeah. And, it's uh, not Jeremy Vine. It should be Jeremy Vine. should be Jeremy Vine. Those, and I don't know why I said Broadchurch, because that's not even on anymore. Are those on at the same time? Home's um, on and Jeremy Vine. I think Home's on is a bit later, isn't it? I think it's later, yeah. yeah. It's, by the time it starts, Jeremy Vine's finished, yeah. Right. Um, two more. Um, which living person do you most despise and why? And I've asked this because it's... A it's a ty- so it's not a specific famous person. It's a type of person that we have mentioned uh, on here before. You're really not going to get this. Well, it's not a specific person. But I'll say anyway because you're not going to get it. It's quite difficult. So his answer to the question, which living person do you most despise and why? He said any influencer that uses their status to flog shit to people. So we have talked about... So Meghan and Harry now, probably not yeah. on the top of his list. Absolutely, yeah. But we've talked about the people who sort of appeared on stuff like Fire Festival and stuff like that. So yeah, yeah absolutely. And finally... What song would you like played at your funeral? This is Russell Howard's uh, funeral song. What do you think he's chosen? Firework by Katy Perry. <laughs> You're obsessed with fucking Katy Perry, yeah. aren't you? Uh, no, it's, it's don't a good song. Yeah, it's not bad, I guess. It's Don't Stop Believing by Journey. Which <gasps> do you know the, what? One of the best soft rock no, tunes of all time. No, that song is so kind of... Um, Prevalent to me at the moment because I've just finished re-watching Glee and that's ah, their main song. And fantastic. I, oh, I just absolutely love it. It's a bane of Tally's life. Um, brilliant. Just going to end on this. So that was, I don't know, I don't know how you got, you probably got zero. You got one right, didn't you? You got oh, wonky oh, eyes, yeah, right? Yeah. I've got wonky eyes. you got wonky eyes, right, yeah. So just finally, uh, Russ Howard's final question on this was asked to, uh, he said, the question was quite simply, or not even a question, I guess a, a demand, a request, tell us a joke. I find this joke quite amusing, so I thought I'd just quickly tell it. It's clean. I was going to say, you're not going to make me guess. No, 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 no. No, it's clean as well, which is quite rare for a good joke. So this is Russ Howard's joke. The Queen pulled pulled her bed covers up to her neck and said, look, Philip, I'm a stamp, which I thought was quite funny. You're not laughing. You are just now laughing. A little bit of a laughter. Uh, Out of ten, how funny is that? It's a groan. It's a groan more than anything. Two out of ten. Sorry, Russell. I said you had wonky eyes and I didn't laugh at your joke. Was that a two out of ten joke, you reckon? I don't know. I just, I'm just not. It's Monday night. And I've had a <laughs> rum and spice beer, and I've talked about some shit. Yeah, so I'm just been, in a bad mood. It's been mood heavy now, and deep. Honest. And you know what? <laughs> this pub is now completely empty. Dead, isn't it? There's literally nobody in here, and it's mad that two weeks ago we were in the beer garden because it was so full, <laughs> and now it's literally. I'm not joking. Unless there's someone around the corner, there maybe it is literally empty. I think it's the combination like of for us to go so yeah. they can close. It's only just gone eight o'clock as well. <laughs> but uh, yeah, the combination of the cops coming in halfway through and us talking about some heavy shit, I think has driven everyone, uh, driven everyone away. Suicide. Anyway, I think we're done, Lindsay. Um, yeah. So um, thanks for listening. Thanks for sharing as well, Lindsay. It was genuinely really fascinating, really interesting. I know it's hard for you to talk about that stuff, so I do, I do appreciate that. Um, as ever, thank you for listening to this podcast. Please, please, please rate and review. Five star reviews as well to let other people. Uh, other people come to the podcast um please also get in touch with us twitter account at itto pod email account uh, itto pod at gmail.com get in touch with us on either of those um and as i said really do rate and review because um we're sort of keen to spread the love spread the word of this podcast and five star reviews help so before we go as ever we're going to do the lead out music and it feels like a long time since we used Lindsay's phone uh <laughs> which is what we're going to do on this one. So um, Lindsay's now just, I can, I'm looking at her. She's I'm turning her phone, phone on. Back on. She's turning her turn phone on. Yeah. Issues. Well, this is why I was kind of um, 
I was kind of stalling a bit there a little bit because I, I could tell her phone was off, so I was just waiting for it to turn it on. She has turned it on. She's in Spotify. I can see from where I'm sat. Okay. And so uh, you know the drill. Which hit playlist shuffle. should I hit shuffle? Oh, on? go on. So what's the options? So I've got... Um, the last one I did was my Euphoria playlist. Okay, Something so we've done that. Happy. So let's move on. Let's I've not use that one. Running playlist. Um, I've got a playlist called Guilty Pleasures, which is ninety nine percent Glee songs. <laughs> should <laughs> we do that? We've been talking about Glee. Yeah. Should, should we do that? Yeah. So which playlist is that again? So what's it called? It's called Guilty Pleasures. Let's it's go. Basically, songs that I just love because they're cheesy, but I just I listen to them a lot. Yeah. Well, I'll tell you what, as it's been a heavy po- podcast, they're probably quite nice to end on a cheesy There is cheesy every note. chance it could be quite a, a ballady kind of uh, depressive right. one, actually. But let's, let's take, do it anyway. Let's roll the dice. Okay, hit shuffle. Okay. Oh. Oh, do you know what? This is one of my favourite songs in looks. the whole world. Turn the phone around. And um, I think this is a decent-ish cover. Oh, yeah, I can see it. Oh, wow. Well, I, lo- I love the original. I mean, the original song is an absolute, nine- I could say this, 90s classic. Yes. Uh, phenomenal song. So we'll, we'll, we'll go with that version as yes. well, that specific version. Yes, I'll be interested to know what you, what you think of this season. Um, this season? This, um, because I'm looking at it, it says it's from season four. But what you think of this version of that song? Yeah. Fantastic, brilliant. Well, that's it. I think that's a wrap. I've got to say, I've enjoyed just to, so. What was this? This is I'm, I'm really struggling to remember what I'm drinking here. This was a spicy <laughs> spiced rum and ginger beer. Spiced rum and ginger You've beer. You've had about two sips of yours. I've had, and I drained mine about half an hour ago. I've had fuck all of mine. So, what we're gonna do is we're gonna, we're gonna end this podcast, uh, finish our drinks, have a nice chat, and then leave this empty pub. Lindsay, as ever, <laughs> thanks a lot. Say goodbye. Bye. And it's bye from me. Here before Couldn't look you in the eye You're just like an angel Your skin makes me cry Oh, you float like a feather Special